<laughs> Mike check one two one two. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and I'm back. Back for another episode. Let's go. Smoking on your top five tonight. Tonight. I'm smoking on your what's the name tonight. Tonight. Smoking on your show's name tonight. I am the Omega. PG Lane, Rolly Gang, SIE. Don't you address me unless it's with four letters. I thought you known better. I've been ducking the pandemic. I've been social gimmicks. I've been ducking the overnight. Yeah, I'm not a trending topic. I'm a hold on, y'all niggas playing with me, man. I am the Omega. PG Lane, Rolly Gang, SIE. Don't you address me unless it's with four letters. Bitch, I thought you known better. I've been ducking the pandemic. I've been ducking Mike the social Jack, gimmicks. One, I've been two, ducking one, the two. overnight. Yeah, I'm not a trending topic. I'm a prophet. I answer to Metatronic every year. Bitch, looking for a better me. I am a legacy. I come from the 70. The Al Green, North Spring Guns, and the Melody. The Big Shot, wrist on cryo. Amazing brother, pop off only on occasions, brother. Rich nigga, mama, no, I made it, brother. Go figure, never caught cases, brother. Face it, brother. Gracious, brother. New flows come and be patient, brother. Show my ass and take out of class. I can multitask like Megan, brother. 2021 ain't taking no prisoner Last year y'all fucked up all the listener Who went platinum? I call that a visitor Who the fuck backing them? All been falsified The facts mean this is a vaccine And the game need me to survive The Elohim, the rebirth Before you get to the father You gotta holler at me first, bitch Smoking on top fives Motherfuck that album Fuck that single Burn that hard drive Mike check One, two, one, two Let's go Yeah, Kanye changed his life But me, I'm still an old school Gemini let me jump in this bitch. Let me jump in this bitch. Two phones, but I only bring one in this bitch. One daughter, but they all my sons in this bitch. No hoes. In- Mike check. Let's go. Taste to consider podcast. We back for another episode. Took a week off, but I'm back. Let's go. <laughs> Sometimes I question whether this shit matters Putting substance into something in the world So used to instant gratification I found this instrumental on my phone while on vacation Eve sent it a year ago or so I probably heard it before But slept on it, you know Shit don't always connect as soon as you press play At times you gotta step away Do some living Let time provide a new prescription Giving truer vision yes, I did dabble in a few religions My homie constantly telling me about Quran Putting me on I read a few pages and recognize the wisdom in it But I ain't got the discipline for sticking with it Now I'm on the way to London Got a show for seven digits I'm wondering just when did I become my biggest critic I wanna be my biggest fan Like how I was when didn't nobody know my jam Today my son said dad let go my hand Reminding me one day he's gonna be his own man And my job is to make sure he's equipped I gotta make sure he not no bitch Cause niggas bound to try him If I said I was the toughest growing up I would be lying I had a fear of getting punched while everybody eyeing Add to that a constant fear of dying By gunshot wound or other violence Type of endings. I kept a tough demeanor on the surface, but was mostly just pretending. Luckily, my bluff was working way more often than not. But sometimes a nigga pulled my car, trying to expose me for a fraud. And with my reputation at stake, I was scuffling just to save face. Couple wins, couple losses, some broken up, too quick to call it. My last scrap was with Puff Daddy, who would have thought it? I bought that nigga album in seventh grade and played it so, so much. You my favorite go. rapper was Puff. Back then, I ain't no shit, now I know too much. 
Ignorance is bliss, and innocence is just ignorance before it's introduced to currency and clips. A bad licks to have a nigga serving three to six. Shit. Say stick and sit a podcast. We back for another episode. Let's go. Say sick and sit a podcast. Say sick and sit a podcast. Let's go. Something is suddenly smothering, stopping me, stubbornly getting this way. Lord, please guide our steps. Watch us. Yes, Lord. Cover us. So that every move we make is in alignment with your will. Say you second purpose. to the podcast. Please fill us with your spirit. Keep us forever in the present. For presence makes us strong as fathers. Teach us how to lead. Show us how to love. Yes, sir. Taste to consider podcast. We back for another episode. Yes, indeed. Woo. We back for another episode. I took a week off. Yes. Um, take a puff. Back for another episode. I always feel so awkward coming back. Recording when I take a week off, man, it feels so awkward. I I just feel like I'm so out of it. I just feel like you know I'm starting all over again. But the break was needed. Um, after the last episode, um, yeah, the last episode, I am not okay. Ah, uh, interesting episode because from the jump, I didn't want to do the episode. But, you know, I was having conversations with people about it beforehand and stuff, you know, telling them what it was going to be about, um, how I was going to be vulnerable on the episode, how I wanted to be transparent or whatever. And I didn't want to do it because cause I don't like – if I've said it plenty of times on this podcast. I don't like attention, um, and I know part of that is from, you know – hold on, first burp. Excuse me. Seven minutes in, first burp. Of course, I've been pre-gaming, so. <sighs> Let me take a deep breath. Sorry about that. Yeah, so. I was I was concerned about doing the episode because of the reaction that I was going to get from it. Like, it, it's, it's difficult. Like, I've always been an outspoken person. Even though I hold a lot of stuff in, I'm, I'm also a very private person. But. Like, I, I always have to try to find that balance between being private and being outspoken. And that is a, that's a work in progress <laughs> because it's either a high or a low. You know, either I'm, I'm 
outspoken as hell or I'm just private as hell. You know what I'm saying? And I've been so transparent and vulnerable for the past uh, five years, ever since 2016, as far as, you know, uh, dealing with uh, depression and anxiety and stuff like that, uh, being a mental health advocate, talking about uh, my experiences with mental uh, illness personally and dealing with other people and stuff like that. But the shit is, it, it can be uncomfortable because the attention that it brings, whether it brings like people who who um, are dealing with the same things and they, you know, come to you asking you for advice and stuff like that, that can be overwhelming. And then people coming to you with the concern. And last episode um, brought a lot of concern from other people. As if, you know, I haven't been, you know, talking about this for, you know, for some time now. And I'm not looking at it in a negative way or anything. That's, that's great, you know what I'm saying? I I so much appreciate the people who reached out to me, the people who came over to my house. You know what I'm saying? A um, couple of fellas came over to the house, uh, checked on me, had a conversation with me. Uh, I was able to get out some more, you know, some some things that I that I needed to get out or whatever. And it's all about, um, I've talked about this plenty of times before on the podcast about, you know, going to therapy and stuff like that and having conversations with the therapist and changing certain habits and stuff. And particularly, I talked about, you know, uh, before all this stuff happened with COVID and the pandemic or whatever, when I was working with uh, one of my therapists and how we were doing, we, I had a lot of homework assignments and a lot of the homework assignments were about me changing habits because most of the therapists that I've had, I talked to is just, you know, I, I'm very self-aware of, you know, the things of my traumas, the things that I've gone through and stuff like that. But it's just about changing, doing the work and changing habits and stuff like that, going through the transitions of things. And that was one one of the things that um, one of the conversations that I had with uh, two of the guys that came over here, John and uh, Scott, John from uh, Separate the Two podcast and uh, Scott from Unprocessed Knowledge podcast that came over here. And I appreciate them. They they have no idea how much I appreciate them for coming over here. But essentially what the podcast was about last podcast, I am not okay was, you know, I wanted to be transparent to the point of showing people that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And then it was therapeutic for me at the same time to actually come out and say that I am not okay in the moment. I had a, a overwhelming week, a difficult week where, uh, a lot of things were, um, coming up for me, things coming up from the past. And I talked about it on the, uh, on the last podcast about when you, when you going through therapy and you going through the healing process and stuff like that, once you, it's, it's, everything is about levels. So once you hit certain levels, you know, things are going to come up for you to, to deal with, you know, things are going to come up for you to, to address then. And that's what it was, you know, some things that came up from, 
from the past that I needed to deal with, and it became overwhelming. And um, it was a bad, you know what I'm saying? It was a it was a difficult week for me. And the whole premise of the podcast was showing that, you know, uh, to be vulnerable, to be transparent of I am not okay, and to address certain things that have come up in the past couple of weeks. And it's one of the discussions that I was having with John and Scott about, um, you know, um, going through the process of healing and stuff and you getting to to the point of where when you start healing, certain things in your life have to change. You can't keep continue doing the same things that you was doing. And John, um, he made a great example of, you know, I'm transitioning out of certain things. And that's that's what it is. And I've talked about it plenty of times before on the podcast. I got to change my habits. I'm transitioning out of certain things. I need different things now that I'm healing, that I'm healed from certain traumas and certain thought patterns and stuff like that. I'm transitioning out of things. So I need different things from, from people. I need different things from myself. I need to start being more open with the people who who want to be in my life, who want to have a close relationship with me. And I need those people as well to be more receptive of it, to be more open, to give me a better space to express those things and to to be the the person that I'm supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? So it was a great conversation. I appreciate those two, John and Scott. Y'all definitely will not understand how much I appreciate y'all. And I appreciate every one of the people who I had conversations with that I talked to. And a lot of the people who already understood where I was coming from because I I was already having these conversations with them based off of, you know, therapy and stuff like that. Because I have, you know, other relationships with other people in my life where I discuss certain things with them. And I feel uh, more comfortable, more safer, safer spaces, more open for me to have certain conversations with people. So, you know, in the past, you know, these type of situations would have been like a detriment to me. But going through therapy for the past few years and stuff like that, even when I'm not okay, I'm okay. And it's because of what the work that I've been doing, you know, um, the week, the difficult week that I had was it was difficult. It was overwhelming, but I knew that I was going to get through it. I I knew what I needed to do to get through it. You know, I I knew the, the work. I had the tools in place to get through it. So I took like I knew it was. I'm a person that I, I look at everything that, you know, it's, it's always some type of lesson in it. In, in it. And this, this situation, I, I, I found so many lessons in it, reflections and stuff like that. And I looked at it like, you know, sep- we're in September now. And September is, is a suicide prevention month. And I looked at it like, you know, these situations where, you know, I had the fellas come through to check on me and stuff like that. And it was just a, a another reassurance for me to keep going and being more transparent and vulnerable and stuff because these situations, like, I'm, 
I'm so I've been so private over the years that, you know, people will look at it like me saying I'm not okay as it being in a, a quote unquote emergency. But that's a lesson into that, you know, we have to check in more with our loved ones, with our family and friends and stuff like that. People have to be more open with, you know, the things that's going on with them, understanding that there's people out there that supports them. And then on the other end, people have to be more receptive to, you know, people having difficulties and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a village. Like when they say it takes a village, it's not just it's not just for little children, it's for everybody because Honestly, us adults, we are little childs trapped in big bodies. <laughs> and, you know, uh, let me uh, play this clip uh, real quick. I think mental health is extremely important. It's, it's, it's an issue that is now coming to the forefront. But in the past, it's been an issue that's been um, pushed down, neglected either out of embarrassment or believing that you're the only one that is experiencing that. Um, but now it's coming to the forefront, and I think it's a great time to be able to address some of those issues and some of those challenges, to try to use those as a source of strength. At first, I think it's, it's getting over the, the, the stigma of it being something that is embarrassing or a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of weakness. I think that's step one. And then it's opening up and sharing that experience with others. That's how you build a community of strength, right? By getting others to open up and share their journeys and share their stories, you wind up inspiring each other. And you know how that goes. I mean, once that inspiration goes back and forth, that energy feeds on itself, right? And I think the best thing that we can do is not ignore it. Ignoring it is the worst thing we can do because then it festers and it becomes something that has control over us versus the other way around. We rise, but we rise step by step. It's not one quantum leap, right? So you know, I see too many kids get so discouraged because they're expecting to make this quantum leap. And when that quantum leap doesn't come, it feels like it'll never come, right? But that's not how it works. It's step by step. One foot in front of the other, day by day, get better every single day. And then when you look back, then you look down and you realize the mountain that you just scaled. Right? But you can't jump from the bottom of Everest and get to the top of Everest like that. It doesn't happen. You know, Superman is only in comics. <laughs> I think uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, mental health is a challenge that we need to accept, not ignore. Accept the challenge. We accept any other challenge that's presented in front of us. Mental health is no different. So let's face the challenge individually, but understand that we're facing that challenge collectively. That was the late, great Kobe Bryant. And, um, yeah, that was very profound what he was saying. And that was the 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 back and forth that I was having before I did that episode, I Am Not Okay. I knew I needed to do it, but I didn't want to do it because I was concerned about the embarrassment that I was going to feel. Um, I was concerned about looking weak looking like a wounded dog and all that other stuff. Because I, I know I know people always have these certain perceptions and perspectives of, of people, you know, and it's not 
it's not a lot of people in my life that I feel really know me or or try to get to know me. They are they have this this already laid out perception of of how they see me or who they think I am, and it can be difficult at times because I because I internalize it. You know, um, as much as you know, I, I would like to put the blame on on other people. You know. I internalize those things, even though they play a role in it, but I still internalize it. I shouldn't I shouldn't care what nobody thinks, you know, because I feel like this is my purpose. I feel like this is my mission. But there is an embarrassment, there is a stigma, especially in the, the black community. And I've been so transparent and vulnerable in in a in situations where people have come back to me and said that they've they've taken offense to the things that I've said and it's held me back a lot from being more transparent and vulnerable or whatever. You know, people close to me. Um I've been working on a book for a while and I've been holding back on it because I've been concerned about, you know, um how people will feel about the things that I say. Despite the fact that I know that what I'm writing is will help tons of people, you know, but you know, I, I fight, I fight, I it's like I gotta find that balance. <laughs> but I'm definitely thankful for doing the episode and taking last week off and stuff like that because I did a lot of reflection and. I seen a lot of things. I seen um it just had me looking at how I was in a position where I was in that moment because of me being overwhelmed and stuff. I was in a a place of being unbalanced, you know. Um I took a step from I, t- I took a step away from social media and stuff like that. Um I took a step away from certain people in my life because of all of this and stuff like that. You know, it made me see who who was truly there for me, who truly cared for me, who who uh had my well-being. You know, <laughs> it it's just it was a lot, you know. Um I'm a very analytical person, um, you know. <laughs> so, I'm in my head a lot. <laughs> But I knew that this situation, this episode, and what come from it was was going to be uh, beneficial for me. I knew that it, it had a reason, it had a purpose. So I didn't fester or sit into sit in my feelings and my emotions of of everything that was going on. I just had to ride the wave. I just had to ride the wave. Excuse me. And that's something that I learned through therapy, through meditation, through reading, through watching certain videos and stuff like that. You know, I do a ton of work. And it's crazy because I get unbalanced off of the the 
trivial things, social media and stuff, but I get unbalanced off of being too consumed with healing myself. And just like in that video where Kobe said, you know, a lot of people try to take this quantum leap. And I'm the type of person that when I get into something and I'm really feeling it, I put my all into it. And these few years of being in, being a mental health advocate, uh, having speaking engagements, writing my blog, doing my own work, I was consumed by it. And I was trying to take that quantum leap, <laughs> even though I knew that that, you know, that wasn't <laughs> the reality of things. But, yeah. But y'all listen to this podcast plenty of times before. I got to take myself a bathroom break. So I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, but piggybacking off of the, uh, the Kobe Bryant video and stuff, um, he talks about, you know, we always try to uh, step up to ch- challenges or whatever, but we don't do that with mental health, you know. We really just blow off mental health. We just blow it off. <laughs> um, everything is physical. Everything is physical. We blow off mental health despite the fact that our feelings, our thoughts and stuff um, start before anything physical. But, yeah, all of this was just a lesson and it was, and it just lined up with September being Suicide Prevention Month. And it just, I just took all of this as a lesson to speak on that you know, um, we have to look out for the signs that, you know, when people are asking for help and stuff like that. We don't want it to get to that point where it's considered an emergency and it's too late, you know, not to, like, put guilt on any anybody, anything. But there are a lot of signs of, you know, when people are going through things or when they're struggling and stuff, despite the fact of them actually coming out and say that I'm not okay or I'm struggling, I'm having difficulties or whatever. There are signs. Um, I found this, uh, it was funny because the day that uh, John and uh, Scott came through, I was watching the NFL Network and this web, and this commercial kept coming up on the NFL Network. And I thought it was brilliant that this commercial was coming up on the NFL network, a, a network that guys watch. And this web, the commercial was for this website called SeizeTheAwkward.org. And what this website is about is having a conversation about mental health. And it was it was uh, the commercial was advertising for people to go to that website and to learn how to actually have these uncomfortable conversations with people when you see signs of them going through something or just ran- you know just just uh, random conversations you know when you get together with people. So once again, that website is seizedtheawkward.org, and this is uh, this is one of the things on the website right here. It says reach out and seize the awkward. Having a conversation about mental health might be uncomfortable, but it can make all the difference. And then they have so many tools on this website. You know, I went through the website a little bit, and this is my first time ever seeing the website. So, yeah, this is a great website for everybody to check out. It's called SeizeTheAwkward.org. 
And it goes through and shows you the signs of, you know, when people are having difficulties and when you might need to have conversations with them, how to have uncomfortable conversations with them, certain questions to ask, how to bring up the questions and stuff like that. So it's a great resource. And then once again, it's seizetheawkward.org. Let me pull up the (sighs) suicide hotline. I thought I already had it up. The suicide hotline, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255. Once again, that's 1-800-273-8255. But yeah, it was just difficult with that episode because... I honestly think that some people in my life look at it like since I go to therapy, I got the blog and all that other stuff, that I'm just sitting around being depressed all day and all that other stuff. And I'm here to tell you, like, I have a good time by myself, (laughs) even though, like, you know, last episode I talked about how I'm alone all the time. But I have a a great time. I enjoy my company. Finally, (laughs) I enjoy my company. I enjoy being alone. Granted. I need to stop doing that because, you know, it, it it's become a habit. And the fact that, you know, I've been, I've spent a lot of time alone ever since I was a child. And it was terrible for me. And now that I'm enjoying it, that that's probably not a good thing. But, yeah, um, I came across this this post. That has to do with Suicide Prevention Month. It says, when someone dies from suicide, everyone feels bad and wishes they saw the signs. But when someone is suffering mentally, no one listens, no one believes them, and they get accused of attention-seeking. And as a society, we need to do more. And I agree with that. Like, I've talked about this plenty of times before. When I first, you know, start talking back in 2016, I started telling people about, you know, me going through depression and anxiety and stuff like that. People were shocked. And people still find it hard to believe because of I've kept down the job. I, I bought a house. You know, they see me going out of town, having a good time and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people out here that suffer from high functioning high function functioning depression and anxiety those people that's always on the go people that don't want to sit down and want to be alone and stuff you know i've never suffered from high functioning anxiety and stuff but i know there's plenty of people that do suffer from it i've had relationships with people who dealt with it and stuff like that and i and I've had to have difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations with them about it, that they need to sit down and, like, you know, talk to somebody or just sit down and take a break. You don't have to always keep moving or keep trying to prove yourself to people or prove that you out in the world and haven't, you know, you don't have to do that. But, um, yeah, I just didn't... I just didn't want to look like a wounded person, a wounded dog, as I say, you know. <laughs> um, I didn't want I didn't want the attention. I don't like the attention, you know, and I don't want people thinking that I'm trying to seek the attention. And I don't want them toxic, positive people to be around me that 
that just come out and say, well, just cheer up. Well, you know, get over it and stuff like that. Because there's plenty of people. I've had plenty of situations like that where people have came to me and said that. Cheer up. Well, it ain't all that serious. Uh, get over it and all that other stuff. Or my life is good and I go through things and, you know what I'm saying, so you shouldn't have to deal with You know, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with those people. And just talking about changing habits and transitioning and stuff like that, like, I just need different things now that I'm, I'm leveling up, I'm healing and stuff like that. I don't need to be around certain things. I don't need to be around certain people. I don't need to have certain thought patterns and stuff like that because I'm over that shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't need, I'm tired of being responsible for people's insecurities and and triggers and stuff like that. I just want to be myself. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to say what I want to say, how I feel. I want to express myself without having to worry about who gets who gets triggered by it or who insecurities get triggered. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be myself. <laughs> and this podcast has been very therapeutic for me, and it helps me to express myself, to be who, I'm, who I truly am, despite what people think. People think I'm stiff. People think I'm too serious and stuff like that. I'm the goofiest person you ever met. Like, the people who really know me, always talk about how goofy I am or how silly I am and how I always entertain them and stuff. But I never felt that I can be that way around certain people because there's always some type of judgment or whatever. Or I got to worry about uh, cradling or coddling somebody's feelings or insecurities and stuff. And I'm just tired of that. Like, I'm about to turn 40 at the end of November. Like, in your 20s and early 30s, you know what I'm saying? I understand dealing with all them feelings and stuff like that and being wrapped up and emotional and stuff like that. But now, going into your mid-30s and moving on into your 40s, you just want to have peace and have a good time. You just want to enjoy your life <laughs> because you never know when it's going to end. But, um, yeah. Let me... uh. See where I'm at in this timeline, this outline. But like I was saying, you know, this is where we have to, everybody has to start being more uh, aware of, you know, people around them, their families and friends, the people that they love and care about, you know. Um, we have to start showing more care and uh, care and attention and stuff on a consistent basis so when certain situations come up where a person say they're not okay that it's not always this emergency and that goes for both sides you know the person who is not okay has to you know check in and vice versa you know we have to check in more regularly with each other you know it can't be this situation where people feel as though that they're by themselves and stuff like that. We have to have these safe spaces for people to express themselves and talk about the things that they need from each other and stuff like that. It's all about communication, transparency, and vulnerability. And then 
when it comes down to it, you know, we have to start accepting people. You know, we it's, it's always this thing where, and I definitely understand it because I've been there and I'm still there in a lot of cases where we want, we want, we see people in our lives a certain way and we, we keep that, that thought, that ideal of that person in our mind of how, how we see them, how we want them to be. And that's only to make us feel comfortable as opposed to actually accepting the whole of the person, you know? We have to really take the time to understand the people that we have relationships with. You know, if you don't want to have a close relationship with somebody, then it doesn't matter. But if you care about this person, you love this person, you want to have a close relationship with them, you have to understand the person. You can't just keep jumping to conclusions and keeping this this own this this one perception of the person in your mind because it just makes you feel comfortable or whatever. You have we have to start letting people be who they are, express themselves and and do what they need for themselves. It's funny because I talked about um that app the pattern app in that app it um it tells you about your patterns based off of your uh based off of astrology the time you were born and um where you were born and stuff like that and this shit is accurate as fuck that's why I don't understand why people always be blowing off astrology and stuff all this stuff matters like i don't like getting all into the religion stuff on here but if y'all believe in God and all this other stuff, if God created all that stuff, why don't y'all believe that all that stuff matters? But I'ma just leave it at that. But it was funny because one of the things that popped up today on the pattern app for me, it says, if you're overly cautious in relationships, you may have unconsciously learned this behavior in response to your upbringing or a difficult relationship with a parent. Maybe an authority figure made you feel unworthy or you grew up without the support you really needed. And I'm looking at myself, I'm like, I already know about the pattern app. Like, this is, the, this is not the first time that this, this, this particular pattern popped up because everything goes in cycles in your life. So this particular cycle is popping up again in my life. And this shit is spot on. Like, when I was having this conversation with uh, John and Scott, and I was telling them, you know, I don't really... And even the last episode when I was talking about father wounds and stuff like that and 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 even your mother wounds, you know, you pick this stuff up based off of your foundation, where you started from, your your childhood. And from my childhood, I picked this stuff up that I can't I can't really trust people. I have to be cautious with people, you know. I've 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 made I've been made to feel unworthy as a child. So of course that's what I've been working on in therapy <laughs> and stuff like that, you know? So all this stuff matters, but it's about, you know, really taking the time to sit down and, and take inventory of, of this stuff, you know? Cause it really can, like, once you are aware of certain things, it really can change your life as far as you know how you move through it, how you deal with other people. Uh, I can go on and on, <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, 
it takes a village, man. Um, it takes a village to heal. It takes a village to be raised. Your inner child and your adult body still needs that village, you know? And it just don't take people, you know? You got to do other stuff, you know? Reading the books, going to therapy, um, having a healthy social life, uh, a good support system, you know? We can't depend on one person or a particular group of people to be your village. You know, it's it's so much, it's so many resources out here. So many resources out here. I came across this uh this post, it was a tweet, and it says maybe we should talk more about how abandonment issues don't always stem from people leaving. Sometimes people remain physically present, but but weren't emotionally there. It hurts even more because you could express how you're feeling all day long to that person and they will literally ignore you and not acknowledge you are even present. Being vulnerable and it doesn't matter. And that's why I say, you know, it takes a village. It takes a village. Like, a lot of times, uh, a lot of us are all are totally consumed with ourselves and what we're going through, and everything is connected. We're all connected. Like I don't want to keep coming back to religion and spirituality, however you look at it, but we are all connected. You know, everything is about relationships. Everything, despite the fact what people think or feel about relationships, relationships are everything. We are all connected. And that's why, you know, I was saying earlier about, you know, there are people out here that have different versions of you. There are different versions of you out here that exist in in the minds of of every person that you deal with, you know. <laughs> So it can it can be difficult to like if you're consumed with cons, consumed and concerned about what other people think, that will mess you up in your head. <laughs> That's just another thing you got to deal with. Here's another post I came across. It says um, relational tip. Stop creating ideas of who you think people are and then getting disappointed when they do not live up to the version you created of them in your head. It's dehumanizing. You do not have consent to mold people into being someone they did not ask to be. And that's just giving people the grace, the freedom, and the space to be who they truly are. And a lot of times... We don't we don't do that for people. We we truly don't. We don't allow people to be who they are to go through the things that they need to go through. We like to control a lot of the things. We like to criticize and stuff how people act and react. Because it's either making us comfortable or making us uncomfortable. And that misunderstanding or that 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 mold or that ideal you have of a person 
we have to really accept the fact that, excuse me, that's a form of protection for us. If we so focus on, okay, this is who the, this is who um this is who Derek is right here. You know what I'm saying? He, this is this is the Derek that makes me feel comfortable and all that other stuff. And soon as he over soon as he oversteps that boundary of that and makes you uncomfortable, then there's a problem. You we have to start giving people grace to evolve, to grow, to make mistakes and stuff like that. That's why it's so weird when people talk about romantic relationships and say that, you know what I'm saying, uh, well, this person did this or whatever, you need to leave them, or or they not showing the effort, you need to leave them when they not interested in, in you or whatever. Everybody is going through stuff. We are all going through stuff. We have to start giving the grace. Of course I'm not saying to accept um, blatant disrespect and all that other stuff. But we have to start putting ourselves in other people's shoes as if we don't do the same shit. Like, because all of us do the same shit. All of us in the world do pretty much do the same things just in different ways. Or we express it in different ways. Here's a, another post I came across. It says, don't assume your capacity is the same as everyone else's. What overwhelms you does not overwhelm everyone. Where you are at with your self-regulation skills is not the same space as where others are. Be mindful not to project your capacity or lack of it onto others. When we are overwhelmed, we may project our sense of distress on others as a way to avoid asking for help or to avoid confronting our own distress. Sometimes what is hard for us to handle is not hard for someone else. And this is one more reason we need each other. There is so much focusing on the horrible things in our world, but very little in uplifting the work folks are doing to shift and transform our world every day. We don't have to deny either. We have to work to find a balance. Don't let the mess make you forget the magic. And this is all about, and that and that just encapsulates encapsulates everything about the last episode. You know, me not being okay and the things I said and being overwhelmed and stuff like that. It may not resonate with everybody. Everybody may look at it a different way. But I don't need your criticism. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to criticize somebody for dealing with a similar situation a different way. We have to understand that certain people have different outlooks on life, perceptions, perspectives, different traumas and stuff like that. So they're going to move through life differently. It's all about being self-aware, learning from the lessons, and blossoming from that. Granted, everybody isn't self-aware. Everybody ain't going to learn the lesson or whatever. Some people just like to wallow and sit in their feelings and stuff. We will hope that, you know, they will get out of that. But the whole point is, is not to criticize them, abandon them, and stuff like that. It's about having a support system. And if you can't if you aren't capable of supporting that person, 
then sway them another way. But we gotta we gotta start having more uh, grace for other people when they're going through stuff. I talk about relationships all the time. How they the how they are the most important thing in our lives as far as showing us the things that we need to work on, the things that uh, we need to acknowledge, to be aware of, and stuff like that. Relationships are our greatest teachers. And it just ain't about relationships with other people. It's about our relationship with ourselves as well. Now, let me pull this. Um, it was a thread. Let me see if I can find it. Um let me see, let me see, let me see. Here we go. It says, relationships are our greatest teachers. You cannot ascend alone. Are you protecting your peace or are you hiding from reality? You know, that's why I can't stand social media, and that's why me taking a break from it and having the reflections I have, I'm just taking a totally different approach to how I deal with social media now. I'm just not going to spend the amount of time on it and and get so consumed with it because it will take you away from actually dealing with yourself, with having your own thoughts and stuff like that. The selfies, trying to find validation, love from posting everything or trying to show that you're out in the world, that you're out in them streets and all that other stuff and Running and getting caught up into these these uh, general narratives of a relationship supposed to be like this or this nigga ain't shit, she ain't shit, and all this other stuff. Like people really have to start using their own critical thinking and stop having other people think for them. Like, are you protecting your peace or are you hiding from reality? Like, think about that for a minute. Back to the thread. Cut-off culture can be very harmful to our growth. It's easy to give up on people when you haven't learned how to communicate or compromise. And I'm a, I graduated college with a bachelor's of science in communication. I feel like I'm a, a good communicator, but I still have work to do. And it's people out here that just think they just the best communicator in the world. And I just be looking like, y'all don't even listen. So how do you think you, people think because they talk, they know how to talk and they talk too much that they're a great communicator. Communication starts with listening. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> back to the threat. One thing about karma is it'll keep you running back until you learn the lesson. And this is, I've talked about this plenty of times before on the romantic relationship front. Like, fuck them experiences. People can have the, have a thousand experiences, but if you ain't dealing with your shit, you're going to keep coming back to the same stuff all the time. Like, you see these women out here dealing with the same niggas all the time. It's because they ain't learning no lesson. <laughs> they not learning anything. They keep dealing with the same dude because they not dealing with their trauma or their issues and stuff <laughs> back to the thread i've been feeling a lot of karmic partners and soulmates circling 
Well, that over there, that was the end of it. This is something totally different. I'm sorry. But yeah. Relationships are a great indicator of the things that you need to work on and stuff like that. Relationship with yourself, if you if you can't even look yourself in the mirror, if you don't like your body, um, if you're not eating properly, properly, if you're not eating the right things, um, people that have uh, eating disorders, mental issues, like. It's just not about relationships with other people. It's about your relationship with yourself. And that's something that I feel like we don't deal with enough, our relationship with ourselves. <sighs> Where I'm at? Um, let me see. Um, okay, yeah, I'm done with that conversation. But, yeah, last episode, despite the fact that, you know, I was embarrassed by it and going back and forth with it, it was necessary and I am right now I'm very good and even when I'm not okay <laughs> I'm okay. Uh I'm doing the work. I'm good. You know, I'm I'm a very enlightened person that I understand that these situations will come up and every day is not going to be peachy. <laughs> I understand you have to have a balance in life and when you get too high it's something that's going to pop off to bring you back down. And when you're too low, you're going to have that high moment. So you got to find that balance. But, you know, I just want to warn people, you know, when you when you high, when you're on that high, please don't shit on people. And when you low, don't wallow in it. Find that balance, you know. But let's move on to something more lighter. <laughs> the Drake and Kanye albums have finally come out. And I must say, <laughs> I must say, both them albums, <laughs> I ain't going to say they were some trash, but they did not live up to the hype. Both them albums, and this is this is my opinion, so don't take it personal. Like, please, don't take it personal. But both of them albums did not live up to the hype. I'm sorry. They were great marketing. They did great marketing for the albums, but both of them albums did not live up to the hype. Um, Kanye, let's start with Kanye album. Kanye album, it was a lot of songs on it. It was a lot of songs on both of the albums. A lot of songs on the album. And I just didn't, I just couldn't get into the Kanye album. <laughs> I felt it was very creative and stuff like that. I felt it was very Kanye, but I just couldn't get into it like that. You know, um, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible album. It wasn't trash or whatever, but I just couldn't really get into it. You know, I know a lot of people enjoyed it, and I and I appreciated that. You know, it was creative and that it was Kanye. You know, he did what he wanted to do. But with the Drake album, I've I've never really honestly been a Drake fan because I don't find Drake original or authentic. Um, I just don't. I find that Drake is a very trendy artist and he does a lot of trendy things. I feel like Drake is like, you know, when they used to make those boy bands back in the day, they just used to put people together and just build them up. They have this big marketing machine behind them. That's how I feel Drake is. You know, we already know about Drake and the 
people writing for him and stuff like that. I feel like Drake was somebody that a, a person or a label or something got behind and just pushed him. I don't feel like Drake is a very authentic person. I don't feel like he's an original person. I really don't. Because I've, I've listened to his music over the years and I've just looked at it like he copied a lot of styles and stuff like that or or whatever's hot at the moment, he'll copy it and, and do the same thing and stuff like that. I understand why why women like him or whatever. That, I mean, that makes sense, but... I just don't I just throw his album. I feel like every song he does sounds the same. When when he sing, every song he sings on sounds the same to me. Every song he raps and sings on sounds the same to me. Every song he just raps on sounds the same to me. There's nothing original about him. I don't feel like we know who the real Drake is. I feel like Drake is really just a puppet. I mean, that's just how I feel. <laughs> I I I refuse to be romanticized by Drake and his music because I just feel like it's is is not original, it's not authentic. I just don't <laughs> like I I put some Drake music on my uh my workout playlist when I go to the gym and stuff. Every time that mu- every time one of his songs come on, <laughs> I just skip it because like I'm the type of person like me with music it has to inspire me it has to hype hype me up it has to put me in a in a uh a meditative space it gotta have me daydreaming and stuff like that and i just feel like that ain't drake (laughs) it's not drake i feel like the kanye and drake albums they weren't even like j cole's album that came out this year and the nas album that came out this year was way better than these two albums that came out but they got these marketing machines behind them, and they they just great at it. They just great at marketing and stuff. But yeah, it ain't it for me. Cause even when I was listening to the, to the Drake album, like he had some samples on there. Like he had a sample on there of the uh of a he had a UGK uh beat on there that he sampled. And the song that he and what he did with that sample, I'm like, what the fuck? It reminded me of when Jay Z uh used the um me and my girl Tupac's me and my girlfriend sample with him and Beyonce. I'm just like, why? Like you butchered the song. You made you made this hard ass song, this soft ass song. <laughs> and I just feel like, you know, it was just too many damn songs. Like they could have just both of them could have had this joint as a mixtape. But like I said, like I will put Kanye's album over the Drake album just for the simple fact that Kanye was being Kanye. Like, he was being creative. Like, I don't feel like Drake is creative at all. I just don't. I just feel like he does what's trendy or or whatever. Like, but I just I just can't do it. <laughs> nah. Um, there's people out here talking about Drake's album was a masterpiece and all this other stuff. I'm like, the album was just out for a couple of days. Y'all cannot say this album was a masterpiece. Like, it, it wasn't. Like, J. Cole's album was way, way better than this Drake album because J. Cole was being J. Cole. Like, niggas always got to have these gimmicks and all this other stuff to, to sell albums and stuff like that. And that that's why, like, even though Kanye was doing the, the gimmicks and all that other stuff, that was Kanye being Kanye. Like, I don't know. 
I just think that a lot of people just don't want to go against, don't want to say anything bad about the albums because they don't want to be outside of, they don't want to be outside of the box with everybody else who's loving the album or whatever. But it's okay. It's okay to not like something. Like, people always be like, I, I always got, I always got something negative to say about no i just got my own taste i just have my own views and that's what i'm talking about just allowing people to be who they are i'm not going out my way to not like drake i I anticipated this album like i stayed up for it to come out to listen to it and the joint just didn't do nothing for me but man it is what it is people gonna think what they gonna think i swear to god i just be i say to myself all the time (laughs) by myself that if I really just just say fuck what people think, people will really have a problem <laughs> with me. I care too much sometimes. I care too much, and I'm too loyal. But yeah, that's that's here here no there. Let's go into the uh, the blackity black woke segment. And I'm gonna play this clip. There's a little funny clip that I got off the office that deals with the blackity black woke segment. So. There are all these people here. There's too many people on this earth. We need a new plague. <laughs> and you probably didn't hear that well, but it was uh, the white from the office. He was saying that um, there's too many people in the world. We need to have another another plague. So you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Starting off the blackity black woke segment. Let me preface once again. You can do whatever you want to do when it comes to this vaccine. Like I said, I got my parents, my brother, my sister-in-law, they have the they got the shot. You know, it's not about me criticizing people for getting the shot or whatever. I'm just speaking on the information that's out here. I'm going against the people who talking that shit about talking that shit about people who ain't getting vaccinated, but I'm I'm for you to make your own decisions. I don't care what the hell you do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But if you talking that shit, I'm going to talk that shit. This podcast is all about me just trying to be me. I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to trigger you. I'm going to piss you off. You're not going to agree with everything I got to say. I don't want you to agree with everything I got to say. But don't try to convince me otherwise from my views i'm always open to hear other things and i'm always open to learning but don't push me (laughs) so the biden administration is prepared to begin rolling out booster shots for many americans the week of september 20th booster shots yeah moving along Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine becomes the first to be fully approved by the FDA. I will get back to this in a moment. Moving along. A Washington jail is offering inmates 10 free packs of ramen noodles in exchange for getting the vaccine shot. (laughs) Bruh. Uh, We had donuts. We had $100 bills. We had... Shit, now we had so many incentives 
lotteries. Now we got ramen noodles. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. Um Mississippi orders COVID infected individuals to isolate at home or face up to five years in prison. This is crazy. Keep the same energy for everything. You know there's people out here that got that got uh a sexually transmitted disease and they on some they on some um some I don't give a fuck type shit. They want to hurt people and give them... Do the same thing for everything. Like, they're just doing too much for this vaccine, bro. And we keep talking about this science. I'm listening to the science. I'm listening to the science. Listen to all the science. Like, that's what's killing me about this shit. And it, it just... It, it frustrates me because people just running and jumping to get this this vaccine and using these same lines or narratives or ads that's being pushed to them or whatever for people who are unvaccinated or whatever. And it's just ridiculous. And one of the things that, like like I said, like you do whatever you want to do. If you, if you feel it's in the best interest for your health or whatever, fine. Get it. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? That's your decision. But what frustrates me is when I hear people talking about some well, I'm getting the vaccine so I can get back to traveling and all this other stuff. Well, y'all need to get the vaccine so we can open the world back up and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, bruh, y'all, that cannot be the only reason that y'all are talking about this vaccine. Like, I, it'd be different if y'all were saying it, you know, for health reasons or whatever. But y'all saying so y'all can go back out to the club or to a happy hour or some shit or to go across the country. Like, I think that's more selfish than anything else. But that's just my opinion. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb joins Pfizer's board of directors. Interesting. And what was the first approved vaccine by the FDA? Pfizer. Come on now. Like I like I like I've been saying, man, this shit is all the money grab. This shit is all the game. If Dick, I would, damn, I wish Dick Gregory was still alive, and I would love to hear him talk about this. <laughs> oh man, moving on. Seventy members of the China government is on the Pfizer investment board. We got the we had the country that everybody was blaming for this virus. And the fire on the Pfizer board is 70 members on on the Pfizer board for this vaccine. From where this virus came from. <laughs> Come on now. Make it make sense, man. Come on, man. We got to moving along. Natural immunity from COVID infection is stronger than vaccine immunity. Massive study in Israel finds. And we know Israel is one of the countries that is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. But now they are a hot spot. They have the highest rate of COVID-19. And then the crazy thing about it is they are dead set and go on push, pushing the booster shots because of it. 
because of the vac because of the COVID nineteen numbers are up, they're pushing the booster shots when they are the most vaccinated country in the world. Oh man. Okay. Moving along. Who pays the vaccine fact checkers? Checkers. Factcheck.org is funded by a foundation that holds over 1.8 billion of stock in a vaccine company. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is run by former director of the CDC, Richard E. Besser. Nearly 15% of the foundation's assets are Johnson and Johnson stock. Come on, bro. This is a money grab. This ain't no different than the shit, the quote-unquote conspiracies of the 9-11, where we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 incident. And the people who actually went out and did research and, and heard the stuff about how these people took out insurance policies before this stuff happened, day, uh, days before the 9-11 attack happened and all this other stuff. Like, this is a money grab, bruh. The the companies Halliburton and all that other stuff that President Bush at the time was affiliated with and um what's his uh R- Rumsfeld and I forgot the other Bama name they was all part of the company and stuff like that. Come on, man. Moving along, the CDC is now listing vaccinated COVID nineteen deaths as unvaccinated deaths if they die within fourteen days of the vac- vaccine. So people want to keep talking about the science and the data and stuff like this. But now you see that they're manipulating the data. And you can go on the Internet and find the data. It's on, I've, I've talked about this plenty of times, the VAERS data. It's right on the Internet. But whatever. <laughs> Moving along. Um, where am I? Um, CEO of Pfizer says he is not getting the vax his own company made. They all know it's poison except you. That's that's the post. But the CEO of Pfizer definitely said that he's not getting it. And I'm going to play the clip for y'all. Let me find it. Let me pull that clip up. Um, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is the clip? Where is the clip? Where is the clip? Where is the clip? Here it go, right here. Let me pull this clip up for y'all. This is the CEO of Pfizer. Uh, 59 years old, in good health. I'm not working in the front line. So my type is not recommended to get vaccination. (laughs) He said his type is not recommended to get vaccinated. He used his age and all that other stuff. But what was they promoting when all this stuff started, when they started pushing this vaccine out here, who did they say needed to get the vaccine first? Elderly people, right? And he said because of his age, he don't need to get the vaccine. Come on, man. <sighs> Pfizer develops twice per day COVID pill that must be taken with vaccines. Man, these companies are making bank. They are making money. I love the Man... <laughs> Biden, Fauci discussed requiring COVID booster shots every five months. President Biden on Friday said he and Dr. Anthony Fauci discussed requiring COVID-19 booster shots every five months rather than every eight as previously anticipated. More money, bruh. 
And it's crazy because Fauci was the one that said on national television that because he said, I don't need to get tested because I don't have symptoms. You don't need to get tested if you don't have symptoms. Moving along, World Health Organization currently monitoring new COVID-19 variant called Mu after being detected in 39 countries. Bruh, there's so many different variants of this uh, virus out here. Um, I had a graph that was posted of the different variants. It's like 12 different variants of the COVID-19 virus that they are not talking about. This is how they push that fear into people's heart to get that vaccine, bro, to keep getting them boosters, to keep getting those pills. In related news, you aren't legally allowed to know which variant gave you COVID-19 in the U.S., even if it's Delta. Most people with COVID-19 in the U.S. are legally prevented from knowing which variant of the virus infected them, even if it's the highly contagious Delta strain. Virus sequencing tests have to be federally approved for the results to be disclosed to doctors or patients, and most are not. According to lab scientists, the process of validating the test for approval is too costly and time-consuming to be a priority. And what's funny is is that um, two scientists that work for the FDA recently resigned or quit from the FDA because they kept being pressured to push push the approval of the COVID-19 booster shot and they didn't want to do it because they don't believe in the science of it. These are the actual researchers. This was on national TV. This was on CNN, but whatever. It was a clip that was going around social media. It was an eight minute clip and I thought about playing the eight minute clip, but I decided not to, um, but I got a portion of it right here. It's like a minute and some change. And I'm sure plenty of people saw it. Uh it was a it was a doctor. She testified on on uh at the house. It was for the House House Bill 4471 prohibits certain vaccinations as a condition of employment. And it's it's all over social media. So I'm sure if you haven't seen it, you can find it. And you can find it on the internet. It's funny because they started uh, taking it down off of the internet, but it's still on social media, though. Well, I'm going to play a little portion of it. Let me pull this up. Science, I'm in the category of the most vaccine-hesitant group. Yes, PhDs are the most vaccine-hesitant, followed by people who have less than a high school degree because they know what they don't know and don't trust their government. And many people, the other group that is very vaccine hesitant are African-Americans. 70% of African-Americans have not taken this vaccine. Why? Because they don't trust their government. Do they have reason not to trust their government? Well, between the um, years of 1930 and 1970, the CDC conducted the Tuskegee experiment where they took um, untreated males with syphilis and they refused to treat them. Even after antibiotics became available, they still did not treat them and they did not tell them that they had syphilis. They told those people that they were there to secure their health and they did not secure their health. They abused them. You say, well, that was in the past, although I don't think 1970 was that long ago. Well, in 2012, whistleblower William Thompson came forward and said, we published a study that said MMR does not cause autism, but we lied. 
In fact, we shredded data that showed that when black boys are vaccinated on time, they have increased rates of autism diagnosis. And we shredded it and we left it out of the paper. Yeah, that was the clip. Is it? It's all over social media, honestly. If you don't know where to find it, if you want to find it and listen to the whole uh, testimony from that doctor, hit me up on the Taste to Consider podcast on Instagram, and I'll direct you to it. Moving along. Federal appeals court upholds Dylan Roof's conviction and death sentence for 2015 church killings. Ah, fuck you. (laughs) Moving along. Officers and paramedics charged in 2019 death of Elijah McClain. And this was a a very disturbing story. Um, The death of Elijah McClain, I remember seeing a lot of, uh, it was was a cartoon graphic that was circulating around social media of this this, um, tragic incident. And I'm glad that, you know, that these officers and paramedics are being charged, and we'll we'll wait to see what happens with that. But it says a grand jury has delivered a 32-count indictment to Colorado's attorney general charging three police officers and two paramedics for the death of Elijah McClain, who was put in a chokehold by Aurora police and injected with a sedative during an arrest almost exactly two years ago. Each defendant faces one count of manslaughter and one count of criminally negligent homicide it was a tragic incident man <sighs> moving along um that's the end of the uh blacky black woke segment let's get into this crate challenge shit i'm just disgusted by it because it's just man our people our people i love us so much but then at the same time i get so frustrated because we get so caught up into shit like this. We so easily get caught up into the most trivial things, and we don't do what we need to do to get what we need to get. <clears throat> Excuse me, but this crate challenge is the stupidest shit ever. <clears throat> Excuse me. And let me play this clip real quick. It's Justin Blue, the Black Culture Prophet, and I'm going to bring some perspective to all this crate challenge stuff. I see a lot of people in relatively privileged positions calling people foolish or dumb for participating in these crate challenges. Now, is it the smartest or safest thing I've ever seen done? No. But is mountain climbing safe? Is bungee jumping safe? Is cutting out a board, putting wheels on it, and going up and down a ramp safe? Is a bunch of oversized grown men running up and down a field clashing into each other safe? Is me recording this video in what appears to be a coming thunderstorm safe? But on a serious note, is bull riding the smartest thing to do? Or at the very least, can we say that walking a tightrope is a good idea? Uh, no. At least not on the surface. But what I argue with him is, he he makes a point. But what I argue with him is, but when white people do these extreme sports, they're in a position to feel that they can do these things because they feel that they have privilege. Their life is much more uh, privileged than ours are. So when we get caught up into doing shit like this, that's why I think it's stupid. Because we got bigger fish to fry than doing some fucking crate challenge. And then you have people, and he's going to go into this later, but I'm just going to start it now. But when you have people who aren't financially stable, who don't have insurance and stuff like that, putting themselves in danger, 
to die or to get hurt and then cost themselves and their family more money that they don't have, then that's stupidity. Let me get back to the clip. Anyway, but we don't automatically discredit the thinking and decision-making skills of those entire groups of people just because they collectively decide to participate in. And another thing, we we got to stop worrying about what the fuck everybody, what other groups is doing. We got to start focusing on ourselves. But back to the clip. Those things. Nope. In fact, we want to know more. We take a moment to ask the question, what would cause normal, sane people to do such a thing? Society says, what makes them do those things? And then there's answers that have been provided, such as it's the adrenaline rush. It's the desire to feel a sense of achievement after overcoming an obstacle. It's the communal bonding that occurs during such occasions. All these respectable poetic answers. I don't give a fuck why they want to do it because I don't care about them. <laughs> I care about my people and what we should be doing. But back to the clip. That don't lead to those people being called stupid. But such explanations aren't provided. Nah, the shit is stupid. Back to the clip given when it comes to black people now don't misunderstand me i'm not a crate walking advocate and i'm not saying that walking on crates is a good idea and you won't see me doing it my damn self but instead of being immediately dismissed as mere foolishness and stupidity i do believe that black people deserve the fair assessment of why would they do that as any other group gets so let's explore it real quick the crate challenge came about in the hood the hood or the ghetto is a place where people are systemically grouped together with very little resources. Many of the people in these environments don't have much disposable income for entertainment. Even further, many people in the hood. That's bullshit. We've seen plenty of people who was from the ghetto in the hood become ballplayers, rappers, movie stars. Niggas got video games. Niggas be in the hood in the streets selling drugs selling themselves i ain't we got all these excuses for shit which is in this clip i mean he's making good points but i just still feel like it's excuses but i'm gonna be honest i'm going to allow grace for it because i do understand that part of all of this is a mental illness but back to the clip are in need of more forms of income to take care of themselves this is also often paired with city governments who don't invest much in these spaces for recreation. All of this creates the perfect elements for something like the Crate Challenge to arise. It's a free, entertaining, community bonding event where the people involved have an opportunity to make money. But you'll miss all of those elements if you're looking at it from a privileged position. Let's say you have 20 people saying they'll pay you $10 each if you make it to the other side of the crates. You could make $200 in less than five minutes. To a person in poverty, that's a gold mine. To a person struggling financially, that could make perfect sense. The people in the hood ain't crazy. It makes sense if you look at it. But what is the risk versus the reward? And every nigga that's doing this crate challenge and every group that's sitting around watching the person doing the crate challenge is putting up money. He's contradicting himself. For one, one moment, he's talking about something. They don't have the resources. But then another minute, he's talking about how they're putting up the money to bet for the person to do it. 
I don't know if he's taking this personally or he's trying to be an apologist, but this shit is stupid. And when it comes down to it, it's a it's a bigger form of mental illness going along, going on with in the black communities where we always jump on trends and shit. We always jumping on trends. Why? Because we don't know no better. If you don't know better, you can't do better. It's as simple as that. It ain't got nothing to do with 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 uh resources and all that other stuff because it's a lot of communities in the hood that got basketball courts and all that other stuff. Granted, we could use more resources with community centers, education and all that other stuff. I do I I agree with him, but then I don't agree with him if that makes sense. <laughs> I understand where he's coming from, but I'm just not taking that as uh okay, well yeah. I understand why they're doing it. No, I can't accept that. <laughs> I can't. But um, moving along, what's interesting is I found um, As a I found uh, this article that says everything you need to know about U.S. milk crate law. And let me pull up the uh, let me pull up the article. I'll read a portion of it. Um, where is it? At? I hope I didn't delete it. Um, um, where the hell is it? Here you go, right here. Everything you need to know about the milk crate law. It says, milk crates are one of the most versatile products around and can be used for everything from storage to fishing, furniture, or even gardening. And the best bit of all of is that you can simply pick them up for free from outside stores, right? Wrong. Milk crate theft is a really big problem for dairies and stores in the U.S. and costs the industry thousands of dollars every year. While the big boys might be able to suck up this kind of laws, it can have a very real impact on the smaller shops and dairies, and it's you, as the consumer who will end up paying for it. However, there's more reasons that you shouldn't just find milk crates on the street to take home. As well as being unfair, it's also illegal, too. Yes, you read that right. To make sure you always stay on the right side of the law, here's everything you need to know about milk crates and who can use them. The basics of milk crate law. You've probably seen milk crates around from when you were a child, and even to this day, you'll spot them lying around outside stores. For some, this is an open invitation to grab what they need because the crates look like they've just been discarded. But before you go right ahead and take a crate for your personal use, you might be interested to discover this is treated in law as milk crate theft. The crates you see outside of stores and stacked up in the street aren't being left out as garbage. Instead, this is the system that the dairies and stores have of returning the crates for future use by stealing milk crates because that's how the law will view it. You are taking an item which belongs to someone and would have been put to productive use in the future. Taking the milk crate for personal use may seem like a petty offense, but the law takes it, takes it extremely serious. The exact penalty varies from state to state, but in general, the discovery of stolen milk crates leads to a fine between $200 and $1,000. In some cases, there could even be a short jail sentence, too. Although that's an unlikely punishment, if you're hoarding milk crates on a larger scale, it could be possible. Some states stipulate the loss of milk crates in their legislation, while others rely on more general common law principles. 
However, the outcome is the same in both cases. If you take milk crates and get caught, you can expect hefty fine at the very least. Boom. So what's really going on? Um, where I'm at, where I'm at. Okay, moving along, moving along, moving along. I got a clip for y'all. Almost at the end. I want to start finishing this up. Let me move along to this clip. All right. You are. Let me start it from the beginning. It moved a little too fast for me. Here we go. As a dude, you are to work your entire life. Your woman should not have to work. If she does have to work, it's considered she has to really work by dating you. Take care of your family, pay the bills, maintain your appearance, and never ask for nothing. Never expect no extra shit. Never ask for no money. Never ask for nothing. Now, look, in this world, we reward dogs for doing dumb shit, for, for sitting down. We, we reward, you know, at your job. Do a good job, you get a raise. Like, in the, in the culture we live in, when you do good, you get a reward. Except for being a good man, because being a good man is normal. Y'all be single, so it's not normal. Having a good <laughs> man, having a good, having a good man that takes care of your family and your son or your daughter is exceptional. You are a lottery winner. You, my lady, are lucky. You're right. Shouldn't no man have to be like, yo, because maybe why? Because men supposed to be always be on their feet and doing well. So God. And this clip is two parts. I'm gonna play the second part of the clip. As a dude, your life. Hold on. I'm sorry. Let me uh, pull the second part up. Excuse me for that. Here we go. Well, so God forbid your man is not doing well and he needs your help. He's a weak man. I can't call her a bum because she's a woman. Her not having a job or money is it's like, you know, she's a girl. Help her. Support her. So why, when a man might need help or assistance, he got to be like, he's a pool putt. Like... Shouldn't being a good person or being a good dad get a reward? And hey, bruh, I agree with I agree with with the premise of what he was saying. Um I've talked about this before, uh how black men everything is conditional for us, you know, from Everything in life is is everything we get has to be based off of conditions. It's just never us getting something because we deserve it or because we're a good person or anything. The way that society is geared everything and programmed everything is that the black man is at the bottom of the totem pole. Like we is we 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 just we the shit at the bottom of the shoe. And I've talked about this plenty of times before, how this is just this is this has been going on for centuries. This is this is how they designed it from the moment that we were enslaved as a people. Like this is part of the Willie Lynch syndrome. Like black men are some shit. Even moving on through the the decades, uh, 
black men with some shit doing the civil rights movement, doing the welfare time, all that. Other. We just been some shit. We some shit. We in jail. We some shit. Uh, we not educated. We some shit. We some shit. <laughs> we some shit in relationships. We some shit in the love department. We some shit fathers. We some shit. Like, even in that video, he talked about, like, even dogs are rewarded for doing good. But a black man can't even get a semblance of anything of being good. We can't. Every We criticize for every fucking thing. Everything. Our women don't got trust in us, faith in us, belief in us. We ain't men if we ain't making enough money and just all of that. Like, <laughs> I got a, a post that goes along with that, with that clip. And it says, only men can love a woman with no money, no house, or no car. Only a man can love a woman and expect nothing in return. Women can't do that. A woman's love comes with conditions. You must have this and that. A man just wants peace. Only thing women love unconditionally is their kids. And, man, I mean, this just says everything. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't, bruh. Black man, black man, I love you, I love you, man. I'm with you. I support you. <laughs> I know every black woman out there don't believe this. But the majority do, and that's the narrative that's that's being pushed. That's why I can't deal with social media no more. I'm just done with it. I'm just tired of it. I get a lot of my topics from social media, so that's the only reason I will be on social media to scroll through and get some topics or whatever. And I got other I got other shit outside of social media that I'm going to talk about on the podcast that I have planned. But honestly, that's that's the world today. We don't we don't have. That is the matrix. The social media, social media is the matrix. We don't, people don't live in the real world these days. Social media is the matrix. That's, that's it. That's, that's, that's real life these days. Social media is it. I'm done with the, the, anything that I post on my socials is for promotional and marketing purposes for Taste to Consider Podcast, Greatest I Am Blog, and you and you network. That's it. I'm just I'm just done with it. It has it has nothing for me. And that's what this past week and the overwhelming of the last week, the week before last, and all that shows me. Like I don't I don't need to deal with it. It's like the shit is not for me. It serves no it serves no good purpose in my life other than having things to talk about on this show and to try to inspire and awaken people or whatever and to piss people off and to trigger people. <laughs> and it's not to do it on purpose. I'm not trying to get converts by pissing people off or triggering them. I'm just giving my views and being myself. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, black man. I don't know, black man. Like, that's why I find it interesting that the past year and a half when us going through this pandemic that a lot of uh, black men have been stepping up to be more vocal and to go against the grain of the quote-unquote toxic masculinity narrative and all that other stuff and the black man ain't shit and you need money and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, 
we got to continue on that road because I don't agree with everything that all these dudes out here saying, but I agree with the premise of, of what they're trying to do, that we need to start stepping up and and being more vocal and being more masculine and being more taking more control of our essence of the masculine, you know. But, yeah, every black woman out here ain't ain't like that and got that view, but, yeah, it's the majority of them do. I just wanted to bring all that up. But I'm going to end the podcast with the movie and TV reviews. Something like... So, I had a chance to watch the uh, Sweet Girl film on Netflix. It had Jason Momoa in it. It just came out like... It came out last week, I think it was. I had a chance to watch a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just talk about uh, a couple things. But yeah, the Sweet Girl movie, it was pretty good. It was pretty good for a Netflix movie. Um, I'm not gonna give any spoilers away. It had uh, it had drama in it, it had action. It had this uh, uh, the dramatic moments were kind of um heavy, um, because it dealt dealt with some real things. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a good Netflix movie to check out. It got Jason Momoa in it. Um. Let me see what else I got. I watched the documentary on um, HBO Max. It was called, uh, damn, what the hell was that John called? I accidentally deleted it. Let me see. Um, it was called Mr. Soul. It was on HBO Max. And it was a very good documentary because I never... I never heard of this guy before or the actual show. So I'm going to give a little, um, the show, uh, the show, it was, the documentary was about this show back in the day called, um, what was the name of the show called? Was it called Soul C? Damn, that's why I wish I didn't accidentally delete the jump. Um, but the the guy who hosted the show and who was the producer, his name was Ellis Haslip and the show back in the day was considered the Black Tonight show and it was on public television it was a variety show and it was a really good documentary and it's on HBO Max if you got the fire stick you have other means to find it but yeah it was the documentary was called Mr. Soul and they just went through how the show came about and the people that they had on, all of the the artists, and they they dealt with a lot of um, issues for the black community on this show. And it was a very popular show in the black community, and I, I never heard of it before. But um, they had a lot of different artists on it, Earth, Wind & Fire, a lot of uh, poets on it. They did a lot of interviews with a lot of activists in the community from back in the day in the 60s and 70s. Uh, they had a Minister Farrakhan on it and stuff like that. They dealt with a lot of issues about the black community and showcased a lot of um, black artists, musician-wise, poetry and stuff like that. Very good-ass documentary. And I wish that I was like alive back when that show was was out because it seemed like it was just a great show. 
But um, check the uh, check that documentary. I was called Mr. Soul, Mr. Soul, S O U L, Mr. Soul. And if you don't check the documentary, out, you can look it up on the uh, the internet. Remember, I said the guy name was uh, Ellis Haslip, and it it was very educational and very um, very entertaining that that documentary. Um, lastly, uh, last thing I checked out was another movie that popped up on Netflix. It was called Really Love. And this, this was a love movie that was, um, set in D.C. And, of course, I'm in the DMV in the D.C. suburbs right now, PG County. But the movie, the movie was 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 good. I gotta say it was good. I ain't gonna lie though. When it first started off, I got some uh, BET BET movie vibes from it. <laughs> but it eventually evolved into like a a real movie, and I thought it was really good. It had um, what's 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 my man name? Um, he played in um Queen. He plays in Queen Sugar. His name is uh, Kofi Suribo. I hope I'm not messing up his last name. But, yeah, uh, I'm sure the women know what I'm talking about, Kofi. Um, Michael Ely is in it. He's from the DMV. Um, Tristan Wilde's in it, was in it. Mac Wilds. Um, Notori Narden was in it. There was a few uh, known people that was in it. Um, Uzo Aduba. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. She plays on the uh, Orange is the New Black. Um, yeah, it was some people in it, and it was a it was a it was a good uh, little love movie. Um, y'all know how I how I am with uh, black love movies with the photograph and Love Jones and stuff like that. So I thought it, I thought it was a good movie. Like I said, it started it when it started out. It gave me vibes of some BET or TV One type <laughs> black movie type shit. But it evolved into a good movie. Um, yeah, but check it out. It's called Really Love. Um, it had a good little vibe to it, a little good soulful vibe to it, neo-soul vibe to it and stuff like that. Um, it represented DC pretty well. Um, had some go-go in it and stuff. I'm not a big go-go fan, but it had go-go in it. And, you know, they uh, represented, had a lot of, well, they exclusively filmed it in DC. So, you know, it was... It was on point as far as having a good setting of of DC. But um what's interesting is I've been thinking a lot, you know, cuz I talked about previously and how I wrote in my blog uh reflection of reflexes about how <laughs> about love movies and pretty black love movies and stuff and um as hard as I can be or whatever, I'm I'm a softy too. <laughs> like uh people call me a sour patch kid. Uh yeah, because I I'm a ro I'm a I'm a romantic, like like I'm into I'm into love, black love or whatever. So it was funny because watching the photograph and stuff like that and all this other stuff and Love Jones and and I was just thinking, I was like, man, like these movies can really fuck up a person and really have them 
have their mind skewed on how love and relationships should be or whatever. Because in those movies, those movies be like an hour and 30 minutes to two hours long or whatever. And they put they push and rush things so fast in that little amount of time. And people get so romanticized by those movies and stuff or whatever. Me included. I ain't going to lie. I be, getting, I be getting caught up into it, you know. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, uh, when the Really Love movie came on, I saw a lot of people on social media posting about it and talking about, you know, like, um, like one in particular. This is one that I saved. Somebody was talking about it. It was like, movies like this are why I'll be single for life because I want it to be like this, but it won't be. <laughs> and then I came across this post by India Ari um, a couple of days ago. And I was like, damn, yeah, I need to talk about this. So let me pull up her her thread. She put a thread on social media about um about black love and, and, and movies and stuff like that. So let me pull it up. Um uh, this was in the black media. It says NDRE gets very candid about her being ready for healthy true love. I want a love story like a movie, like a beautiful, independent black film, a classic. Will we actually try? We try to make things work because we actually want to be together. And in the end, we realize that love is a day-to-day choice. None of this other bullshit. Fighting for our own limitations, arguing for our limitations, believing what our ego says, more than we want to grow for love. No more of this loving each other so much that is always on the verge of hate and we call it passion for the sake of drama. Fuck that. I want to love like a dope black indie film. I know, I know. I'm too grown to believe in this shit, LOL. But I still do. I believe it's there for me. Because all of these dramatics and lessons, it's because it's been interesting and sometimes even fun, but I'm done. I am ready for healthy, true love. And what's funny is when I was um, just thinking about love movies and stuff like that, those love, those love movies just, those love movies be having the same unhealthy, toxic, dumbass drama that real life has. But we get so romanticized with the the whole outcome of it being a happy ending or a happy story that we don't recognize that it's showing the same things that really goes on out in the real world where do you think they get the inspiration from when they write these movies from real life stories and i think we ultimately yeah we want to be loved and be in a a love story like a movie and i feel like we all can be but it's just all about doing the work. Love is an action. Love is a verb. You have to put in work. But I think a lot of times we just, we get so caught up into to the romantic, romanticization of, of love, of black love and stuff in the movies that we don't really realize that all of us are dealing with things and that we have to work through these obstacles of stuff. Like, you you see it all the time on social media about um, 
well, I ain't going to deal with cheating. I ain't going to deal with disrespect and all this other stuff. But you have no choice but to deal with it because we all have our triggers. We all have our traumas. We all have our bullshit that we have to go through and the, and the things that we've programmed to believe and the program to to um to live our life and stuff like that that these are all obstacles that we have to deal with individually and then come together collectively but the thing is we don't deal with that shit individually so we project it onto our significant other over and over again but in reality there ain't no perfect love there really isn't no perfect love Despite what you see, I follow a lot of black love pages on on social media, black love page, black marriage, black whatever, all that other stuff. And they always everything is just it's just indicative of what social media is about showing positive clips, which is good because you want to have that optimism. But in turn, it doesn't talk about the work that you actually have to do while being in a relationship. Is is one couple that I follow on Instagram, and I'm not gonna say their name or anything like that. But they recently posted something today, and they're on a, a vacation together, right? And they've been together, they've been married. Um, damn. Let me see. Let me see. Um, let me here you go right here. All right, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read what it says. What it says on here. They've been together. They've been together for 21 years and married for 13 years. And this is what they posted today. They on vacation together. They sh- they had a video of them, um, you know, enjoying their vacation and stuff. And they said we had. The key to relationship, this is what 21 years of being together and 13 years of marriage looks like. Oh, don't let the video fool you. We had divorce papers printed before, marriage counseling, filed joint bankruptcy, dead broke, lost properties, had cars repossessed, moved back in with parents, blamed each other for our failures, you name it. Don't let this toxic narrative, narrative pushed on social media fool you that real love is not out here. It is. It just requires work, work that most are not willing to put in. And no, I'm not talking about accepting disrespect because cheating has never been one of our many issues. I'm talking about that setting your ego and pride to the side for the overall collective. I'm talking about not having to be right even though you know you are, being selfless and overstanding. We just want to be the example most don't think exists. Stop looking for perfection and just look for someone perfect for you. But yeah, and that and I ain't gonna lie, you know what I'm saying? Y'all heard me plenty of times talk about stuff on here. I can be very jaded at times and very um, negative when it comes to certain aspects of romantic relationships and stuff like that. But I do understand that you have to put work in. You have to make a choice, and then you just have to do the work. I mean, everything, everything, of course, or every person you with, ain't you ain't meant to be with them. But you will figure that out by doing the work. 
But man, I can go on and on. We we pushing two hours, and I didn't want to even get close to this. But yeah, y'all know what I y'all know what it is, and I'm sure we will revisit this conversation once again. But <laughs> I'm going in the podcast right here. It's good to be back. It, it's good to be back, and um, man, I hope uh, somebody was inspired. They learned something. Um, something resonated with them. Something triggered you. Whatever. It don't matter. <laughs> because it seems like I, I'm, I'm liable to do uh, any one of those things. <laughs> but it's definitely not personal with me. This is my podcast to be myself and to express things in my life to try to just do what I feel, you know, is right and inspiring and stuff like that. But you know what I'm saying, man. It's just all love. I'm going to end this with a song that I heard on the uh, Shang-Chi soundtrack. It's by Anderson Park. Shout out to Littles for letting me know that the song is finally out. Because when we went to see the premiere of Shang-Chi, we heard the song during the movie. We was like, damn, this song got hype right here. And we couldn't find the song. And then we found out that it wasn't coming out till the um, till the movie was actually released, and it was released this week. So this song is by Anderson Pack, Fire in the Sky. I appreciate y'all. Follow the UNU Network on Instagram. In the link tree, you have all of the podcasts on there. Uh, unprocessed knowledge. My podcast, The Taste to Consider podcast. Separate the two podcasts. Code of Shame. Reservation for three and three stars, two bars. Do what y'all need to do. Listen to the podcast, download, whatever. All right, I'm out. Consider podcast. This is Anderson Pack, Fire in the Sky. Let's go.
calling it now. I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. You'll find love with me somehow. Yeah, somehow. I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. Say sick and sit a podcast. Catch me on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon. Let's go. Please to consider podcasts. Taste to consider podcasts. Let's go.